Welcome back. Podcast number two in the uh, neurodiversity series. We're going to be talking about ADHD. What does the basal ganglia, cerebellum, which are the parts of the brain that control the emotions and motor expression, the DRD4 gene 7 repeat alleles, and Papua New Guinea have to do with uh, understanding further neurodiversity. All right, sky's the limit coming at you from Boulder, Colorado. This is Ryan. Um, Let's get started. Over the past 30 years, hundreds of research studies have been published seeking to locate the precise nature of this disorder, that is, the Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, and its connections within the brain. Many of these studies have centered around the relationship between the prefrontal lobes of the neocortex, the areas of the brain behind the forehead that control planning, problem solving, and the restraint of impulses, and the areas of the brain that are responsible for emotional expression and motor coordination, including the basal ganglia and cerebellum. There appears to be a disruption in the circuitry between the restraint and planning areas of the brain, prefrontal lobes, and the emotional and motor areas of the brain, the basal ganglia and the cerebellum. That is the science that we are looking at here. In this chapter, Thomas Armstrong attempts to explain is how these areas of the brain are developed differently in those in individuals who are diagnosed, quote unquote, with ADHD. The concern here is that we've decided that if you have a uh, if you have ADHD, these behaviors that manifest themselves in an inability to sit, you tend to wander, the mind wanders, you are um, distracted arguably very easily by different stimuli, you seek, you have novelty seeking characteristics or behaviors, Uh, this is determined in school especially as a negative attribute. However, what is so fascinating is uh, when you look at the science, the part of the the prefrontal cortex, yes, is three to four percent perhaps less active or, or arguably smaller in an individual with ADHD. However, the basal ganglia and cerebellum are firing at higher rates and are in fact larger in individuals who uh, have the ADHD. So to call it a disorder is already starting to be a frustrating kind of terminology. Armstrong goes back and looks at um, historically, so there's another gene expression called the DRD4, um, a dopamine allele which is actually traced back to only begin expressing about 10,000 to 40,000 years ago in human evolution, which is a fascinating time period because that is also um, when humans arguably are uh, pushing and exploring further away from points of origin. And so the idea that somebody has a evolutionary uh, mutation of some kind that seeks novelty, that wants to uh, find new stimulation of some kind, 
is very coincidental with the idea of human expansion, finding new sources of food, finding new territories to obtain resources and to expand and explore, make new discoveries. So there is this idea that we need a balance in our culture and in our society of hunter-gatherer, seeker-discoverer uh, types, and farmer, settled, planning, prefrontal cortex use, use types. But there is, no, there is no difference in terms of one being more detrimental or a deficit to the other. And that's where this ADHD a phenomenon of throwing drugs at children and labeling them as different or labeling them as other or disordered is such a problem where Armstrong is trying to combat right now. Disc jockeys or radio announcers, traveling salespeople, musicians, dancers, or music and dance teachers, recreational workers, forest rangers, radio, television, or newspaper reporters, police officers, firefighters, craftspeople, artists, sculptors, inventors, designers, private detectives. I could continue on here, but I think we're getting to understand that some of the descriptions of what it means to have a detriment of ADHD are the exact same job descriptions of many of our careers that are very typical that we have and are needed in our society. Here's another quote. JetBlue Airways founder David Nealman surrounds himself with individuals who are good at the specifics of his business. My assistant, quote, my assistant helps me write letters and keeps my calendar. I have no idea what I'm doing from one day to the next. JetBlue Airways founder David Nealman. What we're doing is now we're using technology or people to outsource our quote unquote deficits in order to achieve the strengths that we have. It's completely natural to be doing this. We have so much assistive technology available to us now within our smartphones. Now the process is not so much uh, learning how to still the mind, but how to adapt to the t adapt the technology to fit our needs. I will say that sustaining focus is still something that I value personally in my personal life where I meditate every day and I still pull my gravity down and, and center myself when I do feel a, an impulsivity to, to be moving from one thing to the next and instead of um, trying to concentrate on one thing at a time. I do think that there's a balance of, of, of doing that where you exercise discipline but also learning how to adapt our needs with the use of technology and perhaps that can be the role of uh, perhaps special education teachers, resources, general education teachers and I think there is a movement to be making that progress. It's just this slow uh, machine that is kind of Sisyphusian of pushing the rock up the hill for only things to fall back because of different kind of accountability needs that exist with standardized testing and, and so forth and so forth which Actually, this novel doesn't get into, and I'm just kind of providing a little bit of um, my own personal commentary. However, that is to say, again, it's around this idea that um, certain skills are valued while others are not. And 
Uh, it's also a culturally con contextual need as well. Uh, there's a great anecdote in here around looking at the dinner table in Papua New Guinea versus the dinner table in a contemporary Western society where children are expected to sit at the table and there's uh, kind of a constant put that knife down, put that in correct hand, don't play with your food, th these sorts of things, sit, sit in your, still in your seat and everything. While in an uh, in, in island state nation, uh, the children are very free to roam and uh, not be sitting and not have to adhere to the sort of similar customs that the adults are expected to do. And it was funny, the, uh, the elders at Papua New Guinea said, yeah, it's very unexpected of them to do so. It saves everyone a headache, meaning both the children and the adults. And, and, and in those exact same places, the, the value of being able to navigate different islands and build crafts and understand the constellations is considered an uh, asset while um, sitting still and being very sedentary would be considered a quote-unquote deficit, while in American schools, uh, it would be the complete opposite. Uh, so it's really, again, this, this book is just trying to challenge our narrative around the ideas of deficits and disabilities and change the language, change the mindset, be very strength-based. I think a lot of people in, in the education realm would understand this, but hopefully um, this bridges uh, perhaps people who are affected by, even, even right there, people who are affected by, people who are blessed or gifted by somebody who has special needs or special needs themselves, someone who is just now coming on to and learning about it's how it is three o'clock, which my time, which my computer lets you know. <coughs> uh, learning about this population and the needs associated with. Uh, well, hey, thanks for listening uh, to episode number two. I appreciate all of you out there that are tuning in right now. Uh, sky's the limit, and this is Ryan over and out. Peace.